Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021. The Bible says a lot about anxiety. And we know from even just a cursory reading of passages dealing with anxiety, it's not something we should do. We are told not to be anxious. And while clearly we can't avoid stressful situations, or there might be moments where physically we feel tense or tighter or nervous or whatever it may be, really the idea of giving into those thoughts and living in that anxiety is something the Bible steers us away from. The Bible also says a lot about pride. Again, negatively, we are not to be proud people. But is there a connection between pride and anxiety? I think the answer is yes. And we're also going to see then part of the antidote to anxiety is actually humility. And what's going to help us see that today is 1 Peter chapter 5, as we finish up the book of 1 Peter. And it starts off with some words to elders or pastors. And this is one of the places where you you see how elder and pastor, uh, those are two different words in English, um, but they're really being used to describe the same office of, of the overseers of the church. Because it says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, exercising oversight. So even shepherd, that's the word that we get pastor from. And oversight is another Greek word referring to this office really of of the men who are to lead the church, pastors, elders, overseers. It's describing one office of the leaders of the church. But then when it gets to um, the end of that section, it says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then get a load of this, these next two verses. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So even as you think about how, especially verses six and seven get put together, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I think we really start to see humility as the antidote to anxiety and really pride as something that is going to amplify anxiety in ways that aren't helpful. And let's just break down what really makes us anxious most often. Well, lots of it comes down to circumstances. And to paint it with a broad brush, circumstances that we don't like. When there are circumstances in our lives that we don't like, one of the responses we will be tempted to is anxiety. And that's where some of it, you know, that is our natural reaction to some things, you know, tense situations or difficult diagnoses, even medically or or different things or troublesome financial things, right? Those are things that um, 
are, are not going to be liked, but they can tend to make us anxious. And again, we, we can't eliminate all bad, bad feelings or, or, or negative aspects to that, but to give in and to freak out and to go down the anxiety rabbit hole of what if this and what if that and to worry, uh, that is what God is calling us away from. And that's where it really comes back to that idea in verse 6 of humbling yourselves under the mighty hand of God. One of the reasons we give into anxiety more than we should is we have a low view of the sovereignty and the power of God. And if we really accepted those things, that God is sovereign, and then also that God is good and God is wise, when he brings circumstances into our lives that we don't like, instead of just being anxious and worrying about those things, we will more learn to accept those things as this is the mighty hand of God. And even as Christians, it's also the good hand of God. For his people, you can't separate the mightiness of his hand from the goodness of his hand, right? And if we really accept that, we will be less anxious. The problem is it takes a lot of humility to accept that. We want to say, no, I deserve something different. No, I deserve something better. Uh, We want to fight for those things and freak out until we get those things. When what we need to do is humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. So uh, think about yourself today in your own life. Is there something that you are really worried about? And, and really, you know, losing sleep over, um, turning it over in your mind. And sometimes there are situations where, you know, it, not worrying doesn't mean you're always going to sleep well. But but even as you're lying there awake at night, are, are you really just worried and tormented by these thoughts? Or even as you sift through them and they're still going in your mind enough that you can't sleep, are you bringing it back to God? And are you kind of countering the anxious thoughts that you feel with the reality that God is in control? And what's going to happen is ultimately what God wants to happen, and I don't need to worry about it. I can humble myself under his mighty hand. And the things that I don't like, the things that do concern me, I can bring them up to God. And I'm not just making this up that his mighty hand is his good hand, because it goes on to say you can cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so you can face the future without fear because you know God is mighty and God cares for me. So when difficult circumstances come into my lives, I, my life, I can humble myself under his mighty hand and I can listen to him. Now, as we move on to a couple of our other passages today, but we're going to see people who had a hard time humbling themselves under the mighty hand of God. And the first is going to be in John chapter 6, as we look at verses 60 through 71. And it starts with some of many of his disciples. Now, clearly these were not the 12 disciples, but people that were following Christ. And in response to all that Jesus has said, they say, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Now, there are some difficult aspects to understand, you know, what Jesus was saying previously, even about them eating his flesh and drinking his blood. But I think there is more going on here than just, oh, we, we don't understand what you're saying. I think they didn't like what he was saying. I think they did not like the implication that without him and without his blood and his flesh, right, on their behalf, that they were lost, right? That that's what they, they needed. They, I mean, listen to what Jesus had said in verse 53. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
I think they had a hard time accepting that. They had a hard time accepting that without Christ, they had nothing. And Jesus, he responds to this by not, oh, you don't understand? Let me explain it more to you. You can tell he gives the vibe that it's not just the concepts that they're having trouble understanding. In verse 61, he says, do you take offense? So there, it's not just understanding, they're offended at this. Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Right? If, if you can't accept this, that without me you're nothing, well, what's it going to be like when you see the Son of Man in glory? You know, ascended to where he was before. And I think that's where they were not humbling themselves under the mighty hand of God. They were not willing to admit, I've got nothing without Jesus. They were not willing to admit, Jesus is Lord, and I am most definitely not. And that's what so many people do have a hard time understanding. And that is why Jesus says, that is why I told you no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. But then we do see an encouraging response uh, from the, the 12 there. And Jesus turns to them in verse 67 and says, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. All right, may, may that be what we affirm today, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, admitting that Jesus is the Holy One of God. The next discouraging example that we see of somebody not listening to God is in Jeremiah 44 through 46. And we saw them ignore Jeremiah yesterday. And well, basically, there's more where that came from where he tells them um, that God is going to judge them for their idolatry. And you see, even after all that they saw in Judah and in Jerusalem of God punishing idolatry, they go to Egypt and they continue in idolatry. And after being warned about that, this is what they say in Jeremiah 44, 15. Then all the men who knew that their wives had made offerings to other gods and all the women who stood by a great assembly all the people who lived in Pathros in the land of, Jer- of Egypt answered Jeremiah, As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. I mean, you see, it's, it's shocking as you read this passage to see them. I mean, you almost think, oh, they're going to say, oh, no, we repent. No, they straight up say, we will not listen to you. They are failing to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God, and therefore judgment is coming. And even in chapter 46, you see that shift away from just uh, talking to the nation of Judah, which is where this book has been focused. We see judgment coming for other nations as well. But then you see God giving this message to Baruch, um, who clearly was with Jeremiah and helped Jeremiah. And a good warning for us today, that God would take care of him, but that didn't mean his life was going to be easy. In verse 5, he says, And do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. For behold, I am bringing disaster upon all flesh, declares the Lord. But I will give you your life as a prize of war in all places to which you may go. He was going to give this guy his life, but he said, Don't be seeking great things for yourself because judgment is coming. And so that's an interesting word in there in the midst of uh, these prophecies to these nations really condemning idolatry and then moving on to, to Egypt there in uh, chapter 46. 
finally today, we go to our next section in Psalm 119. Today, we look at Psalm 119, verses 137 to 144. And as we wrap up, I want to focus on just a couple things. One theme you'll notice in this section is really talking about what is righteous and God's righteousness. Even that letter here, Tzadeh, in the Hebrew alphabet, uh, that's connected kind of to the word uh, righteousness or that word prominently features that letter. Therefore, you see that word come up a lot. But I love verse 140 where it says, your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. Can you say that? I love that first part. Your promise is well tried. You know, I've been uh, watching a lot of baseball recently. Shout out to uh, the Atlanta Braves. Um, and you see, you know, these players, they've got their gloves and you can tell they've used these gloves. These gloves are well tried, well worn and game used, right? Is that the way your faith in God is? You can tell, man, you know how to use this and it's well worn and it just fits to your hand because you are so familiar with God's promises and, and how they connect to your life. And you can say, man, yeah, I've broken in the promises of God and seen them be faithful and seen them work every time. And I love the promises of God. I hope you can. And that reminds us even going back to where we started in first Peter, we don't have to be anxious. Uh, We can cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. And we know that promise and we've tried that promise and it's tested and true and well-worn in our lives. We're not trying on a a new baseball glove that's awkward to us and has to be broken in. No, we've, we've broken in the promises of God in our lives because we have leaned on them. And time and time again, we have seen God keep his promises. And that's really just another reason for us today to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and really to avoid anxiety by casting all of our cares upon him. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.